Welcome to Table 86, a podcast celebrating Black and other underrepresented talent transforming the landscape of the food and beverage industry. I'm your host, Gio Darwin. Let's take a seat. In this milestone episode of Table 86, it was my pleasure to be joined by one of my favorite food and lifestyle bloggers, Dominique Tubbs of Dom in the City. Based in Harlem, Dom is a remarkable content creator who leverages her multiple platforms to drive support of Black-owned businesses and products. Listen in as she shares her tips and tools for working smarter and striking balance as a content creator. Her and I also take a much-needed deep dive on the ways in which we stay committed to buying Black. It's such a pleasure to have you here today, Dom. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm I'm just really glad that we were, were able to do this together. And I always feel like I have a special connection to you as well, too, because you live in Philly. I used to live in Philly. I love Philly. So I'm really excited just to dive in with you. That's right. I, I know when we talked before, you said that you lived in the Fairmount Art Museum, Francisville area at the same time that I did. So I feel like we were like friends without really even knowing each other. <laughs> we probably saw each other at Starbucks right. or Whole Foods. Or Whole Foods or, or you know, one, one of those things. So I know you are in New York now, but you originally, uh, I believe you said that you were, um, you traveled a lot, you moved around a lot growing up because uh, of your uh, parents being in the military. Um, what was your upbringing like? Yeah, so my mom and dad are originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, Mm. and my dad joined the military. Well, actually, this is a really interesting story. My mom joined the Navy first. She was active duty. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad was reserve Air Force, and then my mom got pregnant. She went reserve. He went active duty, so they kind of like switched roles. Um, Ah. It's like a very interesting love story. And then after that, I was born. Uh, We then moved to like Greece. I lived in Italy, Spain. Um, Portugal. And then when I was about about a teenager, uh, we moved back to the States and we lived in Southern Illinois, which is like right outside of St. Louis, Missouri. So that's why I always consider like St. Louis to be home. Living so many different places uh, throughout your upbringing. Uh, what was that experience like? I mean, I'm sure it's influenced your worldview quite a bit. Yeah, I think it was probably like one of the best upbringings to, to possibly have. I, I consider myself extremely blessed to even have lived in that many countries at that right. young of an age. Um, it's allowed me to be more open um, to other people's cultures, foods, trying new things. Um, also, I think always having to be the new kid every three, two to three years at a school um, mm-hmm. that, that, that does something for a kid. And um, I know some kids, they look at it as a negative uh, experience, but to me, it actually ended up being a very positive experience being an adult um, I've been able to like pick up and move to different cities, which I've had to do multiple times with my husband. We moved from St. Louis to Philly and then Philly to New York. So I'm just always used to being the new person, always open to like try and experience new things, and even if it's on my own. Um, so I did a lot of like solo dolo dining, uh, mm. which I actually enjoy. So I think th- those are just a couple of ways that that military upbringing has um, affected my my adult life. Yeah, you know, th- not just the military upbringing, but the ability to do things alone and experience things alone is really, really important. And I feel like there's a, a movement towards that now that I've been actually reading a lot about. Uh, it's important to date yourself and check in with yourself, but even for you, it seems like explore a number of different interests yourself. Amen. Yeah. And 
even as a married person, like it's really interesting. I was telling somebody the other day, there's certain cuisines that my husband does not like to eat. And just because he does not like to eat them doesn't mean I'm not going to eat them. So I will right. go to dinner. I will go to dinner by myself and, and have a grand time. Yes. I, that's, that's an important, that's an important point across a number of things, not just food. My, my husband's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. So I'm like, Hey, I'll be out and about, but you be comfortable at home. Like that. <laughs> it works out. With that being said, I want to talk a little bit about Dom in the city. You know, I, gotten to follow you on Instagram. I've gotten to check out your website. I see all the great content you created. So what birthed the idea of Dom in the City uh, and how long have you been doing it? Oh man. So I always tell people that it all started with Yelp. It all started with Yelp. You were a Yelper? I was, I'm still a Yelper, a Yelp awesome. leader. So what happened was I was traveling a lot for one of the jobs I used to have. I used to work in marketing for this company that was trying to grow more nationally. And they would require us to live in like a territory for like 30 days at a time to get to learn the lay of the land, get to meet our customers, um, get to meet like our consumers, whatever. And so like, I'm always in these new states, these new cities that I have no idea about. So mm -hmm. I would like to know like, okay, where am I gonna get my nails done? Cause I'm gonna be here for 30 days. Where do I send my clothes to get dry clean? So I was always yelping. And then my really good friend that lived in DC at the time, was like, hey, I'm starting this website. It's like a blog. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, you should write about food <laughs> and you should blog about it. And this is like 2016. I'm like, people read blogs still? Like I was right. <laughs> like, that's a thing. And so he's like, yeah, you should just do it. So he would write about like fashion. I had another friend in LA that would write about lifestyle. And then I would write about food specifically um, in NYC. And so I started doing that. And a lot of my friends really supported me, which is always really, which is, really interesting because I feel like a lot of people don't understand blogging and how it works unless they're in it. So I just right. had an immense amount of just support, which was so like refreshing and, and, and like slightly overwhelming at the same time, because like I'm doing something that I love. I love eating. I love sharing people. I love sharing with people like where to eat, how to spend your money. Cause we all work really, really hard. And then what happened is my friends are like, I want more. I want more. I want more. And I'm like, they're like, I'm tired of digging to the site to find your stuff. Mm. And so so this is like 2016. So the beginning of 2017, I buy my domain. I sit on it for like a whole year and I make so many excuses. I want to lose five pounds. <laughs> I, want some, I want someone to design my site. I want to get a DSLR camera. Um, all these things. Uh, I, I put them in my head to keep myself from just launching. And then one day I woke up and I was like, girl, how about you just hold yourself accountable? And so I told everybody I'm launching my site and I told them I was going to launch it on my birthday, which is December 12th. So it's now we're at the end of 2017. I finally launched it. I, I opened it up with like three blog posts. I had a birthday party. It was just the best thing ever. Um, mm. But it, it all started from, from Yelp. Um, and that's how Dominant City started. And that was December, 2017. Yeah. So then that is, you are just over three years, uh, which is remarkable in seeing just what you put out now. And, and obviously I think I've probably been following you for at least a year, but three years is, is not a, a long amount of time. A lot of people I've talked to have been in the blogging game for five years, even 10 years, seven years. Like, you know, I've been in six years now um, and you've gotten a lot of growth and you've gotten some amazing partnerships. I am curious when you started the brand, what was your vision? What did you want Dom in the City to be? I just, I wanted it just to be a place where my friends can go instead of texting me and asking me for rest, like restaurant <laughs> recommendations. That's literally what it was. I was like, if I can save myself a text, an email, a call, 
like I'm doing my I'm doing my job as a friend. And so like it was kind of like a hodgepodge of everything. Um, so it was like places to go to happy hour. It was um, the newest restaurant I just went to. But then it kind of it kind of transformed and it changed a little. So like when you start blogging, I think it's really important that you stay in touch with what's going on in the dining scene. What's Definitely. it what's going on in, in like in the blogging world? Like what new tools are there? What is other what are other people doing? Not saying like, you know, draw from that, but you need to understand like what other, what other people are doing. So I then got to a point where I'm, I'm like, I'm reading Thrillist. I'm reading Infatuation every morning on the train going to work. Yeah. So I can stay up on like, what's the newest restaurants? And then I would see like these like top 10, um, I don't know, fried chicken spots in like New York City. And I'm like, okay, I know Harlem has to be on this list because I live in Harlem. It has to be on this list. Right. I go to the list and Harlem's not on there. And, I'm, and, and then I start doing a deeper dive. I'm like, okay, where, what is the highest or what's the most Northern spot they go to in Manhattan? on this list. And I would see like Upper West Side and I'm like, so you just left out the whole Upper Manhattan area. Like you left out like Harlem, like how can right. you think of fried chicken and not think of Harlem? So um, I think I then got to that point where I got frustrated because I've been living in Harlem now at that time for like maybe like three years. And although I'm a transplant, I'm, I'm really big on community in Harlem. I'm really big on supporting Harlem. So I got frustrated that Harlem wasn't included or that I didn't even see a face that looked like mine being represented in this list. So then I was like, you know what? If Thrillist, if Infatuation is not going to put them in a list, let mm -hmm. me put them in a list. So then I just started creating a lot of um, a lot more black owned content on my site. Um, and, and, and I've always been a really big believer in celebrating and supporting black owned businesses. And I think that's because I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. So right. for me, like for me to like find a black owned watch, um, somebody to fix my watch, that's something that's how I normally think if I want to go and go to a black owned brunch spot. That's how I think. Or if I want to buy a greeting card from a black woman, that's how I think. And so I was like, let me just start sharing this with others. And then that became like another avenue um, for Dominus City. Yeah, I think it's really important. And this actually comes up quite a bit with guests on the podcast is we often don't see actually one of the reasons why I created this podcast, we often don't see fair and equitable representation in mainstream media. Uh, but there is power when we create our own platforms, which you've done really successfully. Um, again, you know, you've created a number of guides, a number of um, product reviews. I, I just recently saw, which uh, he's a guest on the show this season, uh, Sean uh, from A Taste of the Culture. You, you yeah. sat down with him. Um, I believe, did you do Black and Bold too? I did talk about Black and Bold, the coffee as well, too. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, I, th they were guests on this, the podcast season one. So I was like, yeah, she's hitting hitting all the tables, 86 friends and, and previous guests. Uh, how do you go about discovering new businesses and new products to try? Because one of the things that I often hear is it's so difficult to find Black-owned brands to support. I, I don't know if that's the case anymore, but that's historically some things that I've found. So what are your strategies? I know I have my own, but I'm curious from your perspective. Yeah, so I I subscribe to a lot of email lists. Um, and a lot of these these companies, they'll end up on like websites like Travel Noir, The Root, or you might see them featured on someone's Instagram. So it's like, I make sure that I'm really intentional about who I follow on Instagram as well too. So they mm -hmm. have the same interest as me. So sometimes I'll see it from there. Like I'll, a good example of a new brand that just came up is um, Black Bread Co. And they're based out of Chicago. 
And I found it because of another Black food blogger, Season and Blessed, and he's based mm-hmm. in Chicago. So like, that's a great example of like how I'm intentional about who I follow on Instagram. And, and like we have things that are in common as far as interest and how it leads me to other brands. So as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, we buy bread every week. Like this totally makes sense. And they make honey wheat bread. This is up my alley. Next thing I know, <laughs> next thing I know I'm on their website. Things just escalate so fast with me when I'm shopping. It's bad. But yeah, so that's how I find them. Uh, I do a lot of researching, but I, I, I have heard people say like it's so hard to find them. But honestly, if you're not if, if you're not trying to look for it, I mean, it's really not hard. Like you just type in black owned whatever and then you find the name behind it do the research see how long they've been in business check out their reviews like it's really not hard so sometimes when i i hear people say that it's discouraging that they didn't even try um because you'll you'll search all day through the gucci website for those new loafers right exactly you do the same thing for for a black owned business and i think sometimes people forget like by supporting a black owned business like who that helps it not only helps just the owner it, it helps to create generational wealth. It helps to um, build community. It, you know, like, so I just think of all the positive things that come with it. So if it takes me a little bit longer for me to get it in the mail versus ordering it off of like Target, it's worth it to me. So I just tell people to search a little bit harder and also just align yourself with people who have similar interests to you because most likely they're going to lead you to exactly what you're looking for. But I'm also interested in hearing your your method. Yeah, I, I think you you hit the nail on the head with a lot of things that I do. A lot of, uh, one, the people I follow on Instagram. Instagram is the platform I use the most by far. Uh, I'm in some different Black food blogger and pod- podcaster groups on Facebook that often uh, introduce me to new products and things like that. Um, I follow mostly soul foodie from the food perspective now to learn about new uh, products. I listen to other food-based podcasts, all those things, all that content consumption is what often introduces me to new products and services Um, on Instagram specifically. And I don't know if you can do this on Twitter, but following hashtags, Um, you know, uh, on Facebook, there's pages and groups like black owned New Jersey, black owned Philadelphia. And I see, you know, people come through like, hey, this is my restaurant. Hey, I offer this service. Hey, I do this. And that's how I've been able to kind of build that knowledge base of Black-owned businesses and also find ways to seamlessly integrate them into my life as well. Like you were talking about bread. Bread can be frozen, right? Like you can order from them (laughs) in batches and freeze it. Um, And then you don't have to worry about it when you go to the grocery store. Um, that's the other way that I think people sometimes might not think about it when you're supporting black owned owned businesses. Like, no, we might not be able to go to a grocery store and grab a product or go and target and grab every product. But if you purchase in a way that allows it to integrate into your life, it it just changes um, how you go about being able to support those businesses in the future. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So one I highly encourage freezing bread. I was so good to forever. <laughs> My mom used to do it when I was a child. And I was like, this is, this is, no, this is not where it's at, mom. Um, but yeah, you can freeze bread. And I, <clears throat> something that's really interesting is a lot of these companies are getting smart about how they are able to service their customers. Like a really mm-hmm. good example is Boss Blend Coffee. You guys know I'm like the biggest ambassador at Boss Blend Coffee. I love all black owned coffee, period, but I love blo- uh, Boss Blend. But she does a subscription service, which mm-hmm. is pure genius. Because it's like you can have your coffee delivered to you every month without having to think about it. But, you know, like you said, 
just remembering like we have to be intentional and just remember that they're not a large, they're not a large company where they have this mass logistic chain operation running, you know? So I think you brought up a really good point. Yeah, definitely. And that subscription piece is important too, because a lot of, especially with the pandemic, a lot of people have moved to those types of business models. Um, and I even know with some some Black-owned businesses, you can pause the subscription, like if you have enough. So I don't know if that's with your coffee, but other subscription services, like, hey, I have what I need this month. Um, I know the Spice Suite out of DC, she does yeah. a subscription box. And I think, I think you can pause it, but I don't know that for, for a fact, but nonetheless, spices are something that typically you're not using up very quickly. So, um, again, another way to integrate it into your life and to always have it on hand. Um, it just takes a little, a little research on the front end or setting up systems for yourself, uh, to make sure you're able to support, uh, regularly. When you think about your own brand um, and how you've been able to, what we just talked about, deliver content that is really focused on Black-owned brands and Black-owned entrepreneurs and and, um, products, what would you say is the content that resonates best with your uh, target audience? So I I really thought about this because I think it's always really important for people to sit back and look at your your, your, your content and see what resonates best with your audience. And I Mm -hmm. do this like... I do this often. I, I actually look back at my content like once a week to see what performs well, what doesn't, what do people like seeing? I know people love the Black-owned content. And I think the reason why they love it is because I'm so consistent with it. Like I'm always showing them something new um, and I'm always showing them how I'm using it in my day-to-day. So definitely my Black-owned content. Yeah. Uh, I feel like everyone has now become Chef RD since the pandemic. Everyone has made banana bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that little quesadilla thing that you flip four times in the skillet. Everyone's done some of those. So people love seeing the kitchen things. Um, so when I started um, sharing the Our Place pan, like it went like crazy. Like I think all my friends have it now. Um, so gang, gang, gang on the Our Place. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so they, they love seeing that. They love seeing things that make their life easier. Um, and surprisingly, they love my Peloton co- content, which is really shocking. I didn't think people would take to that. Um, previous to the pandemic I was strictly just food food reviews Mm -hmm. like and that was it so what I said was like okay well now I'm at home like I have nothing else to show them but what I'm doing at home so I'm gonna try a piece of lifestyle content and see how it does and it went really really well and then I was like okay well I guess I'll continue to keep introducing this um and then also other things that do really well now I'm noticing is like just like cooking videos like like little short videos I'll do like time lapses on my story yeah Um, well, those are just a couple of things that are performing really well with my audience and it resonates with them. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because uh, one of the things, ha- myself being a, a food blogger and that kind of being my start, there has always been some fear about like venturing in a lifestyle. What does that mean? What does it look like? Uh, but surprisingly, just like you saw with the Peloton and also people are buying Pelotons, like like hot, they're selling like hotcakes. Um, right. But so that content is extremely relevant right now. Um, I know over the summer, my husband and I, we purchased our condo in 2018 and we have a roof deck. I built a roof deck uh, garden, vegetable garden. And I was like, you know what? It's kind of food adjacent. That post continues to do extremely well. So like um, sometimes it's just taking that leap into lifestyle from food and doing some other things and you never know how it's going to take off, especially like you said, um, doing content that resonates with people at the time. I, I definitely agree with you. And I feel like 
we had no choice but to share more of our life during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps with like authenticity and getting to know you better. And also, I think sometimes people don't really think of themselves as a brand. Um, but like I, Dominant City is me and I am the brand. So it's great that people are able to, you know, connect with that part of, of my life. So it's great. Yeah. And, you know, you said this earlier that people don't always understand blogging or content creation unless they're on the content creation side of it. And one thing that I think that you do really well is you diversify your content. So you're very active on social media, Instagram in particular, which I follow you on. Um, And then you are constantly churning out content on your blog. You and I previously had a discussion around like the importance of having different avenues of content. And I'm just curious what your philosophy is on that and why you think that's important. So I always say, well, first of all, let's remember every time you post something to Instagram, it's no longer yours. Instagram has the ability to repost it, reuse it. It might end right. up on a bill. It might end up on a billboard tomorrow. Right. Um, so that's why I tell a lot of people like I'm not really big on carousel posts. I like to like, sh- I like to like hoard content. I'm a content hoarder. Um, so like I'll share just one photo, but if you want to see the rest, you need to go to my blog. So I use social media as like a billboard as a way to drive people to my blog. Mm. And a, blo- a blog is a, a space that you own. Um, so I always tell people like, it's really important to have that. And sometimes people think that like all they need is just an Instagram and you can definitely start off with just an Instagram, but because of my blog, I've been, I've been able to catch the eyes of, of, of certain national brands. It's really crazy. I listed a national brand that is located in target. It's a cookie mm-hmm. brand black on. And they were like, Hey, they sent me an email. They were like, Hey, I just want to reach out to you because we've been getting an uptick of track of like visitors coming from our site because of one of your blog pieces. And I'm like, that's crazy that you even noticed that my blog is driving people to your site. Right. You know, but like, that's a perfect example of like why having a blog is really important, but also creating consistent content. You have to give people a reason to come back. So I, what I did when I started blogging and created Dom in the city, I posted new content every Tuesday. Why? Because well, Sundays, People are, are doing things with their family. Mondays kind of suck sometimes for some people. They're trying to get back in the groove of work. For most Tuesdays, people. <laughs> for most people, yeah. And then Tuesdays, you know, like, I was like, okay, this is like the perfect day, like to go ahead and drop content. But I was telling people like new content goes out every Tuesday, but that was also to hold myself accountable. Um, so like, I actually trained my readers to the point where they knew every Tuesday, something new was going to drop. Um, now I have pulled back from posting every week because I've built a nice amount of content on my site now. So now I post like, maybe twice a month, maybe once a month. Um, but it's really important to continue to upload new content. And this also helps with like a large, a, a large variety of other things like SEO. Um, the more you post to your site, the more Google sees you as an authority. Yeah. So that's another reason why you have to continue to post. So content is king, start that blog. Um, and also you can charge more if you have a blog. If you, like I can, I can say, hey, I'll do an IG post, three stories and a blog post for you. And that's extra, that can be like an extra $500 for somebody, you know? So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Like, I think that there has been, I said, I feel like I'm overusing the word, but there, there's been a movement as well with like an influencer movement. Like people want to get into the influencer game just on Instagram and, and get free products and things like that. Um, and that's great. But when you do have multiple content platforms, it increases your value. 
And blogs aren't going anywhere. Like I, I, I know uh, you said this earlier, and that was my my attitude at, too. Initially, like, does anybody read blogs? The answer is yes, they do. Uh, they're popular on Pinterest, um, and we don't know how long like Instagram is going to last, right? Um, right. So, uh, when that goes away, what do we have? Um, people like us still have a blog. Yep. And I also tell people an email list too. create that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Email lists are extremely important to blogging. Um, So to be clear, Dominant City is not your full-time job. You actually have a full-time career in addition. So what do you do full-time and how do you balance that with all you do for Dominant City? Yeah. So um, a lot of people think Dominant City is full-time and that would be amazing. Uh, But I do work a nine to five. I work in tech. Um, I work specifically in people management uh, and I work for a, a pretty well-known company, but it's, it's one thing that's really important to do is number one, create boundaries between your job and your blog. So I make sure that I'm not working on a blog post when I'm at work. I give work my undivided attention um, when I'm there during that time. So like I said, creating boundaries, but then also creating some type of schedule for yourself. So I feel like if you can work eight hours for an employer, you should be able to give yourself at least one hour out of the day mm-hmm. where you're doing something that you're passionate about or something that you enjoy. So a lot of my friends know that I have a belief on the weekends, one day is for fun and one day is for work. So either Saturday or Sunday, it's gotta be one. So normally I'll make Sunday like my work day and I'll like do all my, all my, all my content planning, scheduling Instagram for the next week, um, and then sometimes Saturday will be like the day I go out on brunch. I might be snapping photos, getting some type of content. I'm always in content mode regardless. Um, but yeah, so that's that's definitely how I've been able to do it. It's sometimes sacrificing one day out of the week so the rest of the week can go a lot smoother. You know, I've, I've heard that a lot. And that's one thing that I started implementing this year, right? That content, cre- I call it a content creation day. Um, like some people do self-care Sunday. I do content creation Sunday, um, if you will. But <laughs> I, I think it's, it's really important to have that day. And I often don't think that like, I had to start reframing my brain to not look at, look at it as work, right? Like not, oh my God, I got to do a blog post. Like I actually enjoy it, but mentally, especially sometimes after a long week of work, you're like, I don't want to like spend a whole day doing this. But I found it, it's become a form of therapy for me. I'd be curious your thoughts around that. Yeah, sometimes, you know what? I have these moments where I feel like, um, cause I do put out a lot of content. I, p- I post six times to Instagram a week. Um, and, and I used to post one blog post a week and then I'm scheduling things. So sometimes it felt like a job. Um, so like I said, I'm always checking in with myself to make sure that am I doing, am I doing enough? Am I doing too much? Or am I being efficient enough? Like I'm always asking myself those questions, but like what I have to set up for like, for like a campaign and shoot a photo for a brand I try to make it as therapeutic as possible. So like, I really make sure I spend my time and it's not rushed. So the day before I'm like sketching stuff out, I'm writing my to-do list to make sure I have everything that I need. Um, I'm, I'm setting up the plates and the silverware um, mm-hmm. the night before. And then the next day I come in and I take my time and I'm cooking and I'm plating things. And then I snap the photos, but I don't rush. I used to rush everything. Um, so like now I'm taking more time. So it feels more therapeutic. And yeah. then like maybe the, maybe the next day, then I'll edit. So I try not to do it all on one day. I try to stretch it out now a little bit more. Um, but it is it, it, it can definitely be therapeutic, especially when the outcome is exactly how you envision it. Um, that's like the most, oh my gosh, that's like the best feeling ever as a content creator. Right. I, I completely, I completely agree. And that really resonates, resonates with me as well. And also 
I, this is a question that I, I would love uh, to hear your perspective on. How much evolution have you seen in yourself as a blogger from when you be a blogger and content creator from when you started to now? OMG. I don't like to toot my own. <laughs> like I, so first of all, I leave up all my old blogging photos. So you can definitely, if you have time to go back to 2016, definitely go, go back and see like these not so great angles and these harsh lightings and oversaturation. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm, I know it. Yeah. There's, there's definitely been a lot of growth. And I think that is the best part about this journey is seeing the growth. And I always tell so many people, they're like, Oh my gosh, but I want to be where you're at. And I'm like, like you, we all start at the same place. That's zero followers or one follower. But like the journey is the best part of this. Like seeing your craft grow is the. It's like it's it's almost like addicting in a way. Now it, it is. is. Like, it is. Yeah. So like you know the, these are things I always think about. Yeah. No, I I think that's important, and also being able to celebrate those those wins too. Uh, it, whether no matter what you got into it for, but I, I believe most content creators get into it just because they like content creation or they're, it's a creative outlet or, you know, like you, they want to share some information. Um, and uh, I think that one thing is that is important is to take stock of not just how you evolve, but along the way, some of those important accomplishments. So you've now been in the game for over three years and I see you right now. You're, you're just pumping out content constantly. What are your future goals for Dom in the city? I have, I have so many goals, so many goals for this. Um, I did like a virtual vision board on Canva and um, it was like, I never do vision boards, but it was my first time. So I said, let's give it a try. So for 2021, something I want to do is have a more direct and a larger impact on the community in which I Mm. live in. Um, that's something like really important to me. I want to go beyond just like recommending people um, to a business. Um, I want to go beyond just shouting out a business. So I'm really excited. I have a couple of partnerships lined up that are very, very, very local to Harlem. So I'm really excited about that more to come. Um, but yeah, so that's one thing. Another thing I want to do is I really enjoy content creation, blogging, breaking it down for people, making it simple. Um, because I feel like there's so many books out there and so mm-hmm. many gurus and social media specialists. Um, I just want to make it simple. So sharing knowledge uh, about when it comes to blogging, content creation, getting started, just like the one-on-one basics, you know? So I've, I've done this in the past where I just do it like a one-on-one where like, I pretty much coach people through like how to launch a website, how to get started. Um, So I want to make it more of like a, a webinar series. So that's something I've been working on for 2021. Okay. but yeah, so those are just a couple goals uh, for, for Dominant City. And a lot of people are like, well, don't you want to just go full-time? And I'm like, I really don't know if I want to go full-time blogging. Um, I, I really want to, I want to stay in the space that I am. Um, right now, it just is manageable. Um, so I, I, I want to keep it where it's at. But if I do ever go So Dom, it is time for a table topic. And the table topic is a portion of my show where the guest, you, get to drop some knowledge in your area of expertise for my listeners. In thinking about Dom in the City and all the content that you've created and um, your how-to guides, product reviews, uh, restaurant um, guides, I've been feeling like wow, you do a lot. 
uh, you're extremely organized. Uh, you balance that with a full-time job. And I know in order to accomplish all that, you've gotten really good at planning um, and leveraging technology to plan. So I thought maybe you could share two or three technologies, apps, et cetera, that you use and why and how they've helped you be more strategic with pushing out content for Dominus City. Yeah, definitely. So I always say, especially if like you're a nine to fiver and a content creator, it's really important to automate as much as you can. Um, Cause let's be honest, things happen. Um, you might be on the train, lose reception, need to post to Instagram. So for example, for Instagram, what I typically use is Planoly. Planoly is great because it actually auto posts for you. You pick mm. the time, you pick the date. It will even post your first comment, which is what I use for my, my hashtags. And it also allows you to store your hashtags as well too. So I have a hashtag set for like pancakes. I eat lots of pancakes and I have one for brunch. I have one for chicken. <laughs> I love fried chicken. Uh, no shame here. So like, that's a great app. Um, there's other apps that are similar to Planoly, such as like Later and Hootsuite. I also tell people to try to make sure you're as active as possible on the social media platforms that your users use. So a lot of my users are on they're on Pinterest, they're on Instagram, and they're on Twitter. So I actually schedule my tweets as well for Twitter. So one tweet goes out a day that will redirect my following to a older blog post. So this also helps with like your blog post numbers. Mm, yes. So redirecting is so important. Um, and as I mentioned before, so that's like tip number one, I would tell like a lot of people when it comes to that. And then tip number two, I always tell people, make sure you're investing in yourself and in your craft. And sometimes I think people think investing means you're dropping like thousands of dollars, but it can be as simple as paying an extra $20 a month to get Lightroom so you can edit those photos so they can be like nice and crispy. Right. Nice and, um, and then also like another way of investing in yourself is props. Go to a thrift store, buy a white plate, buy some really nice silverware, um, buy a better tripod. Um, I know some people also think tripods are super expensive. My very first tripod was 20 bucks. It's still my tried and true. I think I've had it for like three years. Mm -hmm. So that's another tip right there. Um, and then as far as drawing inspo for content, like content creation, Pinterest is your girl or your guy, whatever you want. To do. <laughs> um, sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to photograph this, this cocktail. Go to Pinterest, type in cocktail, and you'll see all these photos. And it'll give you an idea of like, okay, this is the angle that I need to take the photo from. Um, and then, so that's like tip number three, tip number four, when it comes to content creation, always review the performance of your content. So you can find out what your readers are liking, what they're wanting more of, what, it, what they're wanting less of. Um, so I always look back, look at my stats, see like what does well, what doesn't. Um, and also like go back and be like, okay, maybe this photo didn't do so well. Cause it was kind of dim. Maybe it needed to be brighter. So I'm um, just going back and critiquing yourself. So those are like four really good tips when it comes to content creation and just the bonus one, I know we live in this tech, this technology age where everyone wants to put something in an app yeah. pen and paper pen and paper is still your best friend. So when you have to do like some type of campaign or you have an idea in your head, like literally sit down and write it out, like draw, like draw the photo that you want to, that you want to photograph, make a list of all the things that you need to do, do your research. Um, and those are just a couple of tips when it comes to like content creation. Um, and then as far as like apps that I've loved that I've used as well too, um, I'm a Squarespace user. So mm -hmm. I use the Squarespace app um, a lot. I love Canva. 
if you're a content creator, just go ahead and pay for Canva Pro. It's going to pay off, I promise you. Um, I use Unfold a lot for stories. And what I love about Unfold is it's a free app, but you can plan out your Instagram stories on Unfold. So if you wanted to, you could sit down and call one folder Monday, one Tuesday, one Wednesday. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that way, when you're like, life is going haywire, your social media following can't tell what you want. Dom, I cannot thank you enough for joining the podcast today and dropping so much great knowledge, not just about Black-owned products and the food scene, um, but also, you know, strategy around uh, content development. If my listeners want to follow you on your social media channels or read your blog, uh, how do they do that? I am Dom in the city on every platform. So that's D-O-M, the letter N the city and i'm on instagram i'm on i'm i'm kind of wild on twitter but not really um but i (laughs) dropping gems over there so instagram twitter pinterest facebook and then my website is just dominacity.com 